Dear family members and friends of First Lutheran Church, grace and peace to you in this Advent season as we give pause to behold the awesome wonder that Christ has come, Christ is coming, and Christ will come again. What would you do if you were told the world will end tomorrow? What would you do if you were told the world will end tomorrow? I think this question ought to come galloping into our quaking hearts like some headless horseman as we are framed by these words in one form or another over the next three Sundays. Gospel texts that speak of the end time that are eschatological in order that put us dead to rights. From today, in our gospel lesson, we hear Jesus saying, Watch therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. From the word Advent. Next Sunday, from Matthew chapter 3, we hear John the Baptist saying, But he who is coming after me will have a winnowing fork in his hand and will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with an unquenchable fire. And then a final question put to Jesus by John the Baptist in our third Sunday in Advent from Matthew 11. Just as John is about to face his own death, his own ending, are you he who is to come, or shall we look for another? And so it is as Christians that we feel this tension in our lives, being between Christ's first and second advent, Christ's first advent in Christmas coming to dwell among us, but also we must not forget that Christ promises to come again in a second advent as he transforms creation in the way in which God first intended it. And so Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Now these opening words of Jesus in our gospel lesson along with those that we have just heard from the great line of prophets, John the Baptist, might have had some pull with earlier generation of Christians. Those who in the early church expected Jesus' return to be at any moment. Or perhaps, moving from the early church into medieval times, people who were surrounded by the Black Plague, feeling, well, this must be the end of the world, as millions and millions were wiped out. In fact, they had a little Latin tag that says, in the midst of life, we are surrounded by death. But do we really today, in our time, think that such end times still makes sense 
or attract any kind of serious attention. A time when the only thing recently referred to as black, other than the black plague, well, maybe there is some similarity, is Black Friday. Problem is that not only our laissez-faire culture, but I dare say the church has become complacent to Jesus' call to watchfulness, to vigilance of His second coming. There have been so many self-proclaimed prophets in recent years, from Hal Lindsey's late great planet Earth to H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, or maybe even Kurt Vonnegut's Cat's Cradle, or Tim LaHaye's farcical Left Behind series of movies and books, with such great fanfare in predicting the date and the hour of Jesus' return, and then it fails, it flops. And so I think with that, it exacerbates even more our being rather anesthetized by a text like this of Jesus' second coming. In a word, it's become rather meh. Hmm? And yet there is a certain truth in all of this, not as regards the predictions or the timings, But they are right that one of the promises that runs throughout all of the New Testament is that Christ will return. There are 300 references in the New Testament to Jesus' second coming. Moreover, 23 of the 27 New Testament books speak with great confidence of Jesus' second coming, that God will bring the creation he fashioned to a good end, that everything we tend to think of as permanent is more fragile, more vulnerable than we want to believe. And so if we but take some time in this Advent season to wake up out of our doldrums, I suspect we all know, though suppressed deep down, As my author friend Anne Lamott would say, we're all terminal on this bus. We carry the end inside of us. Or, as the 20th century German philosopher Martin Heidegger based his whole philosophy on this little phrase, we are always in our being driven toward death our being toward death. So what would you do if you were told the world will end tomorrow? Would you spend more time with your family and really share how much you love them? Would you reconcile with a long-lost friend when some matter now seems rather small in the universal scope of it? the end of it? Would you finally fill out that pledge card to support God's saving work through caring ministry and mission in Jesus' name that gets the word out for people who are dying to hear? What would you do? My friends, asking and answering this to be or not to be question 
I think has a way of clarifying our values and helping us to set what really ought to be our true priorities. And it's not a bad question to ask as we move from the festivities of Thanksgiving now into a headlong dasher and blitzen that's set off by Black Friday. And so you may be asking, is this just another well-intentioned rant about the meaning of Christmas? Well, actually, no. Rather amid all the planning and preparing, amid all the parties and shopping, amid all the cards and cooking, God's Advent word for us today is trying to offer us some space to breathe, to experience just a bit of quiet, to be reminded of whose you are in our little Whovilles, children of God for whom Christ died. The God who says to you right now in the words of the prophet Isaiah, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. For Advent space makes the now a bit roomier as it stretches us to look to the past as well as to the future of God's coming kingdom. And we live in this in-between time. But also it's important for us to note that there are two endings, two deaths that we ought to attend to here. First is the past. When we think of these end time texts. So now let me ask, at what time in Jesus' life is he proclaiming this message, this word about the end with his disciples and us in this, his last sermon in Matthew chapter 24 and 25? It's important for us to remember that he is facing his own end, his own death and crucifixion. When Jesus' life is ended on the cross, taking all the sin of the world upon himself, putting it to death, this is the end, fine. And do we truly understand what Jesus is trying to say here? For when the heavens shake and the sun is darkened, Precisely at the moment when Jesus dies upon the cross, God's redeeming love for us is poured out and upon all creation, a new beginning. As Luke 23 tells us, it was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole earth as Christ hung upon the cross, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. My friends, this is the ending to end all endings. And death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die, writes the poet John Donne. So now carefully think about this. It's in your baptism that you have already, you have already died with Christ and been raised to new life in him as Romans 6 would remind us. 
Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This is what my lifelong friend and eminent Luther scholar, Dr. Steve Paulson of Luther House, calls, in not-so-fancy theological terms, the big end. This is the first end. This is the end of death that has already happened in the past in Christ's death and resurrection for us. And we live in this hope as we move now into the future. During a chapel service decades ago when Paulson and I were at Luther Seminary, a beloved mentor, Gerhard Ferdy, puts this last word first. Ferdy says, As St. Paul testifies in Colossians, you have died and your life is hid with Christ and God. Well, yes, you are still breathing and walking about, but don't you see that's just the miracle of it? That's the gospel. You have been given life back in what Christ has already, has already accomplished in his death and resurrection for you on the cross of Calvary. Yes, you have died. He has set you free. But now for the time being, your end and your new beginning is hid with Christ in God's eternal grace and life. Think on this always, and be readied with this in your heart. And all God's people say, Amen. So remember how you answered that beginning question of the sermon, what would you do if you were told the world would end tomorrow? Well, guess what? That question is deeply flawed because there is no if. It's already here. Our lives have been ended and begun anew in Christ's death and resurrection. And so you can now spend more time with your children and grandchildren. Give yourself to a vocation that God has called you to 101%. And don't worry so much about time off, but give yourself to time on. Go be a part of St. Dismas Prison Ministry, St. Francis House, or the banquet. Visit those who are lonely or in hospice care, making Christ's love known through your love and care. Take time for being grounded by worship and Bible study so that you understand how it is already that you are reconciled with Christ and then freed up to share this word with others. This word that you are beloved by God. My friends, in a way, sounds like the end times. (laughs) In a way, you've got all the time in the world. 
because Christ has already overcome death for us as we are baptized into his death and raised anew. We have all the time in the world. We are freed up for the neighbor in the future. And now you're saying, well, Pastor John, you forget, you've forgotten about something else. You know that, that second death you talked about? That future ending when Christ comes in his second advent? What we might call the little end. As Martin Luther observes, each of us has our own last day when we die. This is when we're finally used up by God, whenever, whatever, however the end of the world may come for us. In all of our expressions of ministry and mission just mentioned, and when then finally we come to rest dust to dust in the loving arms of him from whence we come. As we read in 1 Corinthians 13, when we see finally face to face with the one in whom all things hold together, be not afraid, says Jesus, in one of the most precious texts in the New Testament from John chapter 14. I go to prepare a place for you, says Jesus, and when I do so, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you will be also. We live in this promise, and this promise gives us hope. Yes, Christ has come, Christ is coming, and Christ will come again. Therefore, you have died, you will die, and you will live again in Christ. Oh, writes Paul, to the church at Rome and us this day with tears coming down his eyes of joy, even in the face of his own death. In our second lesson for today, hear his word again. Know what hour it is, how it is full time for you to wake from sleep now. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day at hand. Yes, friends in Christ, you have God's word on it, the end, and a joyful one it is. Thanks be to God. Amen.